Ouija Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. Liz, today I want to talk to you about the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex, which is affectionately known as the Bob, and it is a million acres in Montana that straddles the Continental Divide and is comprised of four national forests, and it's this wilderness complex that is unmarked, unmarred, uninhabited by by roads. A million acres of that? A million acres of wilderness in Montana. Isn't that amazing? If it was going to be anywhere, it would be in Montana. There's a lot of Montana. Dude, Montana is one of those states when you, uh, you've had to drive through it where you're like, cool, I guess we're in Idaho now. Nope, we're not even halfway through Montana. Yeah, you feel like you're doing a good job when you start in Spokane, and then you're like, hooray, the Washington-Idaho border, I did it. And then you drive through the panhandle, and you're like, the Idaho-Montana border, I'm killing it. And then you drive and drive and drive and drive and drive, and you're still in Montana. Four days later. keeps going. Four days later, you've made it to Billings, and you're Mm two-thirds of the way through. Yeah, you drive... 12 hours due east, and then you start to see, like, welcome to the Wild West. And you're like, where was I? (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the things that bugs me is sometimes I get these stories that I'm like, oh, I really want to tell that on the show. It's a Western thing. And then I look at it, and I'm like, Calamity Jane never came out here. No. No. They're (laughs) starting to use, like, fucking Missouri as the Wild West. Get the fuck out of here. You get to be the Great Breadbasket or the Bible Belt or the Midwest. You get your own fucking names. You're not the Wild West. Stay in your lane mm-hmm. but you know i always get confused and think deadwood was in montana it wasn't where the fuck um, was dakota deadwood territory, south dakota dad worked on a dude ranch in the dakotas after he moved from illinois and wanted to get away from illinois because who doesn't want to get away from illinois wow uh his first thing was to work a dude ranch in the dakotas did he have a dude ranch name i never asked him should ask him. I will ask him next time for sure. And then for a while uh, in Pullman, Montana, he did rodeo. So he rode <laughs> uh, bulls and he did one bronc. And I asked him what it was like to be on the back of one of those monsters for eight seconds. And he goes, I don't know. I never made it that long. <laughs> <laughs> Your cowgirl credentials are pretty legit. They're like, not bad. Family-wise. I know. That's I know. Bad. My dad's. I in- feel like. Riding a bucking steer or whatever is one of those things where when you see it from the outside, you're like, how hard could that be? Just hang on. Just don't let go. Just don't and let then go. as soon as you actually do it, you're like, oh, no one can do this. This no is impossible. Can. Your brain is just like, that's physically impossible to do. Mm-mm. When you hold a toddler that's having a tantrum and they're bucking <laughs> and kicking, you want to drop the toddler. Imagine doing that to something that's 2,000 pounds and has horns. <laughs> No. I mean, you might want to stay on just because otherwise you're then on the ground, but... Shoot, maybe it'd be better I'd lay down on the ground and hold the toddler and then just be like, well, I can't drop you and you can't drop me. So at least now (laughs) we've, we've isolated the areas that I can get injured. So your dad did rodeo and your dad worked at a dude ranch. Where did your dad get his horse credentials when he was growing up in Illinois? Growing up in Illinois, yeah. They had... Okay. Uh, they had horses. They had an orchard. You know, at various times, uh, he and mom both rode horses or owned horses in Illinois. And then when they came out to Washington at a law firm, uh, sorry, ultimately he had lawyer friends who ended mm-hmm. up also having a cattle ranch in Tum Tum, which is middle Washington, central Washington. So as mm-hmm. kids, we went out to we went out to a lot of cattle branding events out there 
or dad would go help when the, uh, shit, not when the tires, dad would go help when, you know, Washington at some points in the summer is just on fire. The whole middle of the state is. So dad would go out and help move the herds into areas that were less prone to fires, or he'd go out and he'd help with the garden hose to make sure that the house at least didn't burn up in the fires. They moved herds of cattle from one pasture to another. Super cowboy credentials for never having lived on a farm. He's got, I I mean, he lived on farms, but for me, I feel like I got to be a part of a lot of really cool ranching stuff that I never other, never really ran into other folks that had done those same things. Yeah, yeah, that's not something I grew up with necessarily, but it's something I've gotten more used to as I've lived out here that people are like, oh yeah, I'm going down to the ranch this week. I'm like, okay. Right, here on the East Coast, I'm hearing so many people like, where do you summer? And we're going to the Cape. And in Spokane, yeah, your your friends are going out to their ranch, their family's Mm -hmm. ranch. Or you go to the lake, which could refer to any of 24 lakes. Could be Pend could be Coeur d'Alene, could be Fish Lake. Either way, it's going to be full of mine tailings and probably three-eyed fish, but whatever. You just go and you do it. You have a good time. Anyway, you're telling me about the Bob Marshall. Telling me about the Bob Marshall. Well, the Bob Marshall's also one of those great things that my family has a connection to because with that same group that has the cattle ranch in Tum Tum, dad would often go on uh, pack trips through the Bob Marshall with this family. And they started out, of course, as everyone's younger as self-guided horse pack trips to the Bob Marshall. And now these days, everybody's a little bit older, a little bit less inclined to, I'm going to bring in my own food and water, and I'm going to set up the tent every night, and we'll have a chow station. Now they're just like, no, let's just pay some guy like 500 bucks, and that outfit will guide us in, make sure that we eat and have tents and guide us out. So the only thing you... So that's what a a pack trip is, is when you bring your own stuff? Yeah, when you're packing it in and out. Yeah. Well, and it's a pack trip because they're using pack animals. It's not a day horseback ride. They're actually going in with mules that are carrying the gear. Wow. Yeah. What's Like to someplace or just for the sake of the trip? Usually they're doing it for the sake of the trip. The Bob Marshall, because it's a million acres, has so many places that can be destinations. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, it's just, okay, well, we're going to do a... 50-mile horseback ride over the course of a week or whatever it is. And it's just kind of like a like a road trip, a sightseeing tour. You go and you look at pretty things, but ultimately you're, you're going in and then coming right back out. Oh, that's cool, though. Yeah. Uh, one of the places is the China Wall, which is this really gorgeous escarpment. It's one of the things that you find when you search Bob Marshall. It's one of the first things that pops up because it's this... The Chinese wall is a 9,000-foot-high escarpment, so it's this big, sheer cliff face, and you ride up to it you know, in this valley, and it opens up into a meadow, and then you can just look 9,000 feet up like you're fucking Lord of the Rings or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, what... Let's... Mm, it's the West, so I'm not sure I should ask why it's called the China Wall. I think just because my my understanding is just because it's it's like the Great Wall of China. It's just this big oh, fucking wall okay. that you you can't get over it. You can't go under it. So you can find ways up it. There's a trail that's up it. Uh, but once you are on this trail, uh, this is 
I think this is the trail that dad was on when he told this story. So I'm going to tell this story as though it was on the China Wall. Could be another cliff face that you're climbing on because there are opportunities to ride your horse on other cliff faces. But the last 500 feet of this trail near the top is some of the most tense horseback riding that you can encounter because you're on a maybe four foot wide trail. 9,000 feet below you is on your right side and then another vertical cliff face is on your right side. You've got nowhere to go if shit goes bad, and so you're holding your breath, you're clenching all your sphincter muscles, and on this trail is when you're, so you're in a, you're in a horse train, which is, you've got a guy in front of you on a horse, guy behind you on a horse, perhaps the mules are in there somewhere, and on this trail, this tiny little narrow four feet, which is about as wide as a horse is, right? Dad's on his horse and it loses its footing. Oh, Jesus. And your your heart, he said, just stops. So the whole time you're on this 500 feet of trail in particular, you've got one boot out of your stirrups because if your horse slips and it goes down, you're trying to get your feet free so that you can push yourself out of the saddle, out of the stirrups, kick free of that, and hopefully land on the trail and not tumble below with your poor horse. Oh, my God. They never had accidents in the Bob, luckily. He's gone probably a dozen times. My mom has gone a time or two. My brother's gone several times. They've never had a, a major accident, fortunately. They've encountered... Your, your family hasn't? Or people going to the Bob Marshall <laughs> My family hasn't. hasn't. Luckily, okay. on their trips, my family, the scariest thing that they went through was there had been a fire that spring, and they were traveling in the summer, and so they're going through a bunch of deadfall, and a windstorm picks up. So you have this forest of widowmaker trees that are being mm-hmm. torn apart by the wind and they're exploding around them as they're all trying to ride out through this forest to get away from these dead trees that are just ready to come crashing down at any moment. It reminds me of in Into Thin Air when John Krakauer is talking about the giant monolithic ice pillars mm. that you walk through yes, and they creak. The ice fall. Oh, the ice fall and they could go at any time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That would be really fun to have as a memory, but not to experience. I think. No, that was a trip my poor mama was on, and she's just like, "The fuck did I do? I'm gonna die out here with my husband. I'm gonna orphan my poor babies back at home, and I did it. I got killed by a fucking falling tree. Bullshit." Well, on a horseback ride. Well, on like... a horseback ride, which is so American. Wait, so when... <laughs> when your dad's horse lost its footing, what happened? It got its footing back? It managed to regain it. Yeah, just slipped, but managed to regain. Wow. Right? Wow. That's a lot of faith to put in a horse. A lot of faith to put in a horse. Honestly, I would... I like I like mules. I know a lot of people think that they're dumb animals, that they're misbegotten. Oh, no, Mules are so great. They're more patient, they're more hardy than a horse is, and they're less stupid than a donkey. So I really feel like with mules, you get the best of both worlds. Did you know that mules, I always thought they were sterile, but that's not always true. A female mule does have an estrus cycle, and it can sometimes breed. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. The baby of a mule is called a molly. Here, let's do terminology. This is fun for me. A mule is what you get when you have a donkey jack, that's the dad, and a horse mare, that's the mama. Okay. 
if you get a baby from a donkey, Jenny, so that's the mama, and a horse, Stallion, that's the daddy, it's called a hinny. 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 And then so sometimes a mule, a female mule, which is called a Jenny, can have. Yeah, I know. Which also a donkey. So a donkey. Okay. I know. I know. I'm with you. I know. We're getting there. But sometimes that female mule can be bred and have a baby called a Molly. So a Henny Jenny can have a Molly. Henny Jenny can have a Molly baby. Henny Penny can have a Molly Bolly. (laughs) There's there's mules on um, the back way from my parents' house to Costco. So sometimes we stop and let Liddy go there and pet their noses. And one of the reasons, like I say, they're on the way. Like there's just their paddock is out there. So they're out. Sometimes we'll go see them. And this is how I know they're smart is because... They came over and were letting Liddy, like, interact with them and stuff. And I said, next time we should bring some carrots. And their ears shot forward. And <gasps> then they looked turkeys. us up and down. And when we didn't produce any carrots, they left. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. You got so snubbed. Yeah, they were like, well. <laughs> what? Yeah, you said the word. It's like telling mm-hmm. a dog, do you want to go for a walk and then not taking a walk? That's just mean. Yeah. Rude. Have you been horseback Rude. riding? Oh, yeah. Not for a long time, though, I don't think. Was it all in Washington State, or did you do it when you were born in New York? (laughs) I did do most of my writing in Washington State, I think. So the New York that I grew up in was not like Manhattan. It was upstate in the Thousand Islands area, so very rural, very farm-oriented, like... I'm like, what's representative? So my cousin had the Amish come take a part of barn for her. Kind oh, of that's scene, cool. Picture that. But when I was growing up, my cousins had horses. And so whenever we would be up there for the summertime, like for family reunions or whatever, if we would have a bunch of corn on the cob at a cookout <gasps> or whatever, oh my we gosh. would take it over and give the, the leftovers to them. And then sometimes we would ride bareback. Oh, my gosh. That was nice. And the only time I fell uh, off a horse was riding bareback. That was stupid. Yeah, I guess I guess there's a reason we invented saddles yeah. and stuff. But then when we moved out here, my mom was kind of looking for stuff to us for us to do. So there was a while, actually, when we um, rode Icelandic horses, which was interesting. There's a No big way. One in the general way that we have a ton of like, Nordic, Nordic peoples yeah. around here. Uh, there's an Icelandic horse, at least one Icelandic horse ranch out in the valley. And that was interesting. Amazing. It was fun. But sort of time and money consuming in a way that I understand why we didn't yeah. pursue it more. We- and then I think I did some other riding in like, I want to say through the community college or something. I can't even fucking remember. Like I remember the experience, but I don't remember why I was there. Why you I got think to that's do it, like yeah. The big experience of being 12 to 14 is yeah. you're like... I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> nope. Some... I just go where you tell me I'm supposed to go. You sign me up for something and I don't realize mm-hmm. that I can say no yet if I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I haven't been riding for a really long time and I would like to go riding again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Liddy gets to go on pony rides all the time, <laughs> so I'm jealous. Dude, it's wasted on her. Her brain is still a jelly bean. Us adults should be having all the fun <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh, there's like a... A petting zoo in Spokane that's made up of, like, the island of misfit toys animals. I can't remember what it's actually called, but there's, like, a blind horse and a one-eyed pony and, like, a dog with three legs and 
all that kind of stuff. I think they're all rescues. What? And so they bring them to like everything. I've oh seen them. God. They were Pride last year because Pride in Spokane is so bananas family friendly. Oh, man. They have like a kid area with like a climbing wall and a petting zoo yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they had like painted their hooves. So the little pony with one eye had like red glittery hooves. Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, I hope they that called him One-Eyed Jack. Jack's already a great <laughs> name for a pony. It's perfect. What? I think she's called Ruby. <laughs> no, dumb. But I might be making that up. Dumb. I refute that. Dumb. Oh, okay. Well, we're talking about animals already. Of course, the Bob Marshall has a lot of animals that you would expect a wilderness area to have. They have black bear, moose, elk, deer, Liz. They have wolves. They have coyotes. Wolf. Wolves. They have uh, mountain lions. They also have lynx and bobcat. I learned. I like that. I learned that a bobcat is a type of lynx. Oh, I didn't know that. Neither did I. They also have a bunch of eagles and trumpeter swans and birds. Also, the U.S. Forest Service says that their grizzly bear population, uh, the density of that population is higher in the bob than anywhere else in the U.S. Wow, higher than... Alaska? Higher than Alaska, which is not what I would have expected. Maybe it's continental U.S., but the statistic I read just said U.S. That's still pretty cool. Still pretty cool. Pretty scary. Dad saw a lot of wildlife when he was there. Of course, his most scary experience was trying to use the restroom in the middle of the night where you get up out of your tent and it's quiet except for the the sound of the animals and the river nearby and you've got your flashlight you got your little torch with you and you're shining it toward the woods as you make your way toward the edge of camp to go to the bathroom and just as you take your you know unbutton your fly or take your pants down your flashlight happens to catch that reflective membrane in an animal's eye and you're so glad three feet off the ground yeah right you're you're so glad that your pants are already down because it's terrifying. <laughs> he was. He, Doesn't your dad have a set of red long johns, or am I imagining that? He has a set of red long johns. Why do I know that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't with the butt, know. with the butt flap. Gotta have the butt, the butt flap. Hatch. The butt hatch. Yeah, the little trap door, Liz. <laughs> the crap door. That's for your dad's cowboy sona, right? <laughs> you didn't hear me say it's your crap door. Your crap door. <laughs> Daddy doesn't have a cowboy persona. Daddy just is a cowboy. <laughs> Those red long johns, man, that would be whether or not he did the single action shooting. I think that the Bob Marshall being home to animals is very expected. Of course, it's a million acres. Why wouldn't you have animals? But Liz, the Bob Marshall is home to a few animals I don't think you would expect. The unexpected animals. The unexpected animals, which is what our show is all about. It is home to at least two ghost herds that I found. What the hell is a ghost herd? It is a, I mean, I can work backward from the name, but I want you to tell me. Yeah, well, it's just what the name says. It is a ghostly herd of horses. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about the first one. Schaefer Meadows is in Flathead National Forest. It's one of the four national forests that make up the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex. And it's near the adorably named Hungry Horse Ranger Station. Oh, It's named after Tex and Jerry, which were two draft horses who got lost in the winter of 1900. And they turned up in the spring 
at the station, and they were very hungry, but they were still alive. Oh, good for Tex and Jerry. So Tex and Jerry made it through. They got them some food there at Hungry Horse Ranger Station. (laughs) But campers who camp in the area, the surrounding meadows, or rangers who work at the stations, often hear sounds in the meadow as though a herd of horses is there. They hear the jangling of bits, the stamping of hooves. They hear whinnying. Uh, The story goes that at the turn of the century, there was an outfitter who lost a herd of horses in the area, and it's those horses' spirits that are coming back and making the noise that people hear. Mm. Okay, that's so cool. The second herd is in Danaher Meadows, which is on the eastern edge of the Bob, and this herd is different because it is also seen with its original outfitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a man and his horses. We have a ranger named Gordon Ash, which I think is the perfect ranger name. He For Pokemon. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, what does Ash do once he's caught all these Pokemon? He, he can't just be the best like no one ever was <laughs> forever. Dude boy has to grow up and pay some fucking bills. Lead him through the bob. Lead him through the bob. So, uh, Ranger Ash here, Pokemon Master, and Poacher Patroller Extraordinaire. He's in this area Mm. trying to find some poachers. And as he rides through the meadow, he passes a small campsite with an old man sitting near the campfire and a pack of mules and horses grazing by. And I guess it's, you don't, apparently, according to what I read, you don't approach a man's camp on horse. That's kind of aggressive. So, Ranger Ash rides down to the edge of the meadow to tie his horse to a tree so he can approach the old man on foot, which is, you know, friendly. Rides through this meadow, hitches his horse, and when he turns around to go back to the camp, the man and the horses have vanished. Is the camp still there, though? The fire? Ranger Ash did not report. Okay. However, he spoke to several old-timers and other rangers that he knows and i guess many of them have had similar experiences in the dan hermandos that's amazing isn't that great yes i like it because it's not just like they're they're not just haunting a house no they're haunting a whole forest they're haunting a whole forest well my friend we have haunted houses for you as well because the bob marshall was of course at one time not a wilderness territory it was just fucking wilderness And we had homesteaders come and make their cabins and their claim stakes right there in the Bob Marshall. And a lot of those buildings have been since turned into ranger stations. Makes sense. So if you have a cabin where perhaps someone became ill and died, as has happened, those cabins now used by rangers might feel the ghostly presence of a dead little person, dead little kid. Uh, that sentence got away from me, but we're going to go yeah, with it. Yeah, I thought you were talking about a dead little person, and no. I'm like, go on. <laughs> no, no, I don't have stories about little people. I have a story about, there's one ranger cabin in particular that was home to a homesteader, his wife, and their young daughter. And when the girl became oh. ill, the, fo- the father, of course, had to snowshoe for a week to the nearest town to get medicine, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. by the time he came back, his daughter had died. And now, yeah, well, let's be real. The medicine he was getting. Oh, was my like, God. Would you like opium or sugar water? Oh, my God. Hopefully or we can both. shake them together for you. That's what yeah. I would like. Please give <laughs> me some of that. What <laughs> child sleep good infant <laughs> laudanum sugar tea. You know, give me one of those. I just want to feel real good while I'm slowly dying of consumption. 
But now folks who stay in that station hear footsteps upstairs, and they think that it's his wife keeping vigil for him to come back mm. with the medicine that, of course, never arrived in time. Oh. I have... One more ghost story for you, and this is someone's account that I will say in their own words. It's from, it's from a blog called A Mountain Happy Place, written by a woman named Ginny. And she has a story called A Fire Lookout's Frightening Night. Hmm. So here, I'll give you three paragraphs of Ginny's words. Wait, tell people what a fire lookout is first, because I don't know if everybody Fire knows lookouts that. are cool, man, and you can find them That's all cool over game. the Pacific Northwest. They're ranger stations, kind of, but I mean, they're they're what their name says. They're built up usually on top of mountains in a small clearing, and the idea is that you are a ranger or person stationed up there, and you're spotting wildfires because you're up high. You've got great vista, and now the ones that have been. What's the word? It starts with a D. Decommissioned. Mm. Now, campers can often camp in decommissioned fire lookouts all across Washington, for sure, but across the Pacific Northwest. And usually, you don't reserve them the first come, first serve. So if you want to camp overnight in a decommissioned fire lookout, you got to hike up this mountain and be the first of all the hikers to get to it to stake your claim for the night. That'd be pretty cool, oh, though. I've never been to one, but I would love to. Well, this is one of those places. It's a fire lookout. And Jenny writes, my husband Brian was good friends with a gal who was the fire lookout for Spotted Bear Ranger Station in the early 90s. So like you said, it's a cool gig. You can be the ranger that is stationed here and you're up there with some supplies for the week or for the month and a radio. And that's all you're doing is you're making sure that if any wildfires are seen, they're reported down to ranger stations who can then mobilize a firefighting unit. Mm-hmm. Her lookout was perched up at the peak of Spotted Bear Mountain with a fantastic 360-degree view of the surrounding mountains. She would be up there alone for a week at a time. She read a lot of books and perhaps just drank a little bit too much wine on the occasion, but what else are you going to do when you're alone for a week? (laughs) Masturbate a lot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She read a lot of books. A lot of books. Yeah, yeah. I took up a lot of hente is what I'm reading. You pack it and pack it out. (laughs) (laughs) You use those pages as toilet paper to hide your shame later. Man. Well, late one night, the lookout woke up out of a deep slumber. As she blinked open her eyes, she saw that there was a man standing in the dark Ah! at the end of her bed. (laughs) Fuck that. Kill him. She thought... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, that's what you jumped to immediately. Uh, He could knock. (laughs) If he didn't, this is like, so, so if approaching on a horse to a camp is aggressive, standing at the bottom of the foot of a woman's bed is worse. Just after she had a great masturbatory hente wine fueled session and he just appears. Fuck you, random man. Liz is going to shoot your ass. Yeah. Well, uh, she thought perhaps she was dreaming. She was not paranoid like we are thought she was dreaming so she closed her eyes again and pulled the covers up over her head but as she did so she heard the man say are you warm now what she startled straight out of bed but there was no one there 
If you've ever been or seen a fire lookout, it is one room. This is a studio apartment, my friends. It's just one big open room surrounded by windows. So poor... Yeah, and like a ladder up, And a ladder up. Very steep stairs. Yeah, yeah. So she freaks out. She decided it must have been a bad dream, or maybe it was too much wine, but she went back to sleep. When she came back down off the mountain from her week-long shift, the voice she had heard still bothered her. She asked around the ranger station and found out that maybe she wasn't dreaming after all. Late the previous year, a hunter had been out on the mountain alone. A snowstorm blew in and caught him unaware. He was too far up the mountain to get back to his camp, but he knew there was a lookout at the peak of the mountain. He could get there and ride out the storm in warmth and safety if he could make it before the worsening weather took him. As he made his way up the mountain, the snow and wind steadily increased until it was a total whiteout. He had reached the top of the mountain, but couldn't find the lookout through the snow. He froze to death only a few hundred yards from his destination. Oh my god. So, perhaps she saw this poor, (laughs) cold, frozen ghost. But then why was he asking her if she was warm? Well, I bet he was pretty fucking jealous, Liz. If I had frizzed... Frizzled to death? If I had frizzled? (laughs) If I had misfrizzled to death? If I had frozen to death and I was stuck as a fucking ghost, you bet your ass I'd be everybody. I'd be so petty. I'd be like, "Mm, you warm? Got a nice sleeping bag? Oh, that's great. You could afford the Canada Goose logo. Huh. Bet you're toasty in that shit. Wish I could have afforded it. Snuggly. No, you're getting all creepy with it. I'd just be like sassy bitchy about it, and Liz is being like, "Is there room enough in that mummy bag for two? See, that's that's how I would tell the story. Is she would feel him just like sit down on the bed and take his shoes off, and then just like snuggle in next to her, because that's the best when you're really cold is to get in the bed with somebody who's already warm. Wow, you are creepy. Thank you. <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> this place, the Bob Marshall, has some recent strange shit happening as well. There are actually too many stories that are strange to fit into this. I'm not going to cover them all. But certainly there are, you know, recent folks that go missing in the Bob, whether they go missing on accident or it's a great place to go missing on purpose. Yeah, both. Uh, for sure. In the fall of 2010, the Bob was the subject of a new mysterious disappearance. It was when 30-year-old Noah Pippin, who was a Marine veteran, went into the Bob Marshall alone and vanished. Mm. It appears he went into the Bob Marshall wanting to disappear. Uh, His family doesn't think he committed suicide, but since he hasn't made contact or been seen since, and clearly went to the Bob with the intent of uh, secrecy. He didn't tell anyone he was going there. They found this out through his journal later. He either went to get off the grid or, unfortunately, went to commit suicide. Are Do you think there's people who live there full-time? Like, in there? Yeah, I think there have to be hermits in there. The Bob was the... Well, it wasn't the Bob Marshall. I guess it was the Oxbow in the Ozarks which is still in Montana and the Dakotas, I think. But that was the Last of the Dogmen movie from the 90s, which is just totally not keeping up well uh, with the times, but one of the things that was on repeat at my house growing up. But anyway, the idea is that there's a remnant uh, tribal population that has managed to stay away from encroaching white people and still live as a 
Native American nomadic tribe in the Oxbow. But I want to end with a happy story about dogs. We've got people ghosts. We've got modern folks that get lost there, either on purpose or on accident. In At the turn of the century, at the turn of the 1900s, there were two little kids on a homesteader's place that went missing after a fire, and people aren't sure if they perished in the fire or if they were stolen by a couple that lived a valley away who had talked about adopting them at one point. All that's kind of sad. That's weird. So, Wait, before you move on to the dogs, is there anything interesting about Bob Marshall? Who was Bob Marshall? Oh, Bob Marshall, he was a cool guy. He was an early forester. He only lived to be 38, but he was an early forester and conservationist who, uh, while he was working for the Forest Service, he was the dude that enacted regulations that designated protected wilderness lands. And a designated wilderness is a place that doesn't have roads and it doesn't allow... Uh, as far as I know, it doesn't allow wheeled vehicles. The trails are only open to foot and stock use. So you aren't going to find bicycles, snowmobiles, four-wheelers. There's no logging. There's no mining. Bob Marshall was very adamant that we needed places that were free of that modern encroachment and was only for animals, be they human or otherwise. Makes sense. Yeah. He was a cool guy. He died in 1939. So very... Very short life, did a lot of good, though. Cool. Well, good for him. Okay, now tell me about some dogs. I'll tell you about some dogs. This is from July 2015. Mm. And in July 2015, Abby, who is 11, and her daughter, Molly, they're two English Cocker Spaniels. Okay. We'll get that (laughs) out of the way. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yep. We're talking about an 11-year-old human mother, and I was like... No, no, this isn't a happy story at all. Told that in the wrong order. Abby and Molly, English cocker spaniels, who are also <laughs> mother and daughter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, they got themselves in a pickle. There was this crew of volunteers uh, repairing a trail in the Bob Marshall, and up comes these skinny fucking little cocker spaniels. No owners in sight. They're obviously hungry. They're very dirty they're happy to see people and these workers go okay well we're waiting for your folks to like come down the trail any minute and hours go by and no humans turn up so they're like okay clearly Uh these dogs got lost they either got lost on a hike on a camping trip Mm -hmm. we don't know but fortunately one of the dogs still has her collar and it's got a phone number on it so well we're in the middle of the bob marshall wilderness We don't have cell service. We have to get these fucking tired-ass dogs out of the bob to a ranger station that has a landline. And these poor babies are so tired that half of the way, they they put them in bags and put the bags on the back of a horse. So these dogs get horse-packed out partway. And then... And then, once we're done with the horses, the workers create a... What is it called? A travoy? Travis? Whatever. One of those things where you use poles and you kind of sling some mm-hmm. hammock material between them. So Aww. apparently uh, Abby, the mama, she liked this. She hung out in the hammock down the trail. And Molly perked up after a little bit of people food and water and was like, nah, cool. I'll walk with you some of this. So they get them to a ranger station, call the phone number, and the owners go, oh, thank fucking God. They ran off two weeks earlier. When they were oh at a, a, a summer cabin 
ran off after a squirrel, after each other, after who knows what, but managed to get themselves <laughs> 13 miles away from home. Whoa! English Cocker Spaniels, the shittiest dog alive, managed to survive <laughs> two weeks in the wilderness. I was thinking about that because I'm like, my picture of a Cocker Spaniel is like the dog that my grandparents always exactly. have. Exactly! They look like Ottomans. Yeah, and they pee when they get excited. They pee everywhere, which is why I'm not it, a fan. Oh my god, Wikipedia. The English Hawker Spaniel's a breed of gun dog. Yeah. Sporting dog. Yeah. Their field or working cockers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, used to be. Not like I seen. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, we have bred these poor, noble spaniel dogs into walking piss machines. But these two, yeah. Abby and Molly, are fucking badass. Uh, veterinarians. <laughs> yeah, they- Oh, go ahead. Found the power of their ancestors, apparently. They managed to contact those dormant little wolf genes that they still had in their DNA and become awesome. Veterinarians said that these dogs had 200 miles on them. So they didn't, they didn't walk. How did, what? Did <laughs> I check the odometer? I don't know. I guess by what? by their state of, of, of emaciation, I don't know. But vets said they definitely, they crossed the continental divide, which is where in America water runs either toward the Pacific or toward the Atlantic because where they found and where their house was were on two separate sides of the continental divide. So these dogs had gone up a fucking mountain, managed to get 13 miles away as the crow flies, but vets estimated that they had probably walked 200 miles in those two weeks. Wow. Yep. I wonder what they ate. Man, probably poop. If you've known Cocker Spaniels, you know that's true. I don't know. A dead fish they found. Dead fish they found. Some fucking grass. Maybe berries. I don't know. Maybe they caught a squirrel. I I have a story for you, actually, that that made me think of. Yes. Somebody told me. Somebody that I work with. I don't know if she wants me to use her name or not. But she told me this story because I am always looking for animal stories to tell Lydia. Yeah. And so she told me this story. And I was like, this is a really good story. So... This friend, when she was growing up, lived in Toronto. Okay. And, but her family lived down in the States, her extended family. And one of them lived in, I believe it was, I want to say Mississippi. It could have been Alabama. Okay. But this was like her aunt or her great aunt. And this great aunt, I'm going to say, had a black cat whose name was Piewacket. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Piwacket is an old witch's familiar type name, oh. which is kind of weird because this is apparently like a very Christian lady, oh. but she had her named her, her cat Piwacket I love after it. a witch's familiar. And she was coming up to visit my buddy in Toronto okay. and driving with Piwacket, oh, bringing Piwacket instead of getting a pet sitter. And at a gas station in Ohio, she opened the door and Piwacket jumped out Ugh. and ran away. No. And she looked everywhere like it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. The gas station guys helped her look. Everybody helped her look. But after a certain point, she's like, you know, it's wilderness all around here. I've been here for six hours yeah. or however long it was. Like, I can't stay. Like, you got to call it you at do. some point, yeah. right? And so she drives on to Toronto, but she's heartbroken. Yeah. And, you know, is miserable for the whole two weeks of the trip and is sad the whole drive down. 
And then she pulls up to her house, and Piwack is sitting there on the front step. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking homeward bound in his ass back to yeah. Mississippi. <laughs> yep, from Ohio. Skinny as hell, yeah. for all matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. foot sore, but like, what took you? <laughs> Let me the fuck in, woman. Yes. And I love that kind of story, because I'm like, first of all, I think Piwack like, hitched his or her way there on witches brooms i think so oh yeah must but have also been. i i i love i love that that's a thing that cats do and we don't understand yeah do they have fucking magnets in their head or what the fuck how do they yeah. always do this little homing pigeon find their way home bullshit yeah like they can't do it by scent no like he was in the car the whole was, time yeah exactly oh it's so weird yeah. my uh baby boy stepson jonah they, uh, his mama bought a house and it's about six blocks from the house that they've rented his whole life, basically, uh, which is great because they have two outdoor cats, Tank Shooter Mm -hmm. and Maynard, and (laughs) Maynard, (laughs) Maynard, yeah, Maynard after the lead singer of Tool, and then Tank Shooter because Jonah got to name it when he was like two, and (sighs) that's the (laughs) series of words that you come up with, I guess. Uh, That's a great name for a cat. It's a really good one. But anyway, they brought the cats to the new house, and the cats unerringly always ended up back on the rental house's front porch. (laughs) They're like, this is our territory This is home. This is where we go. Uh, So now Tank and Maynard are indoor cats. (laughs) Yeah, I can see how that happened. Because of traffic. (laughs) For sure. Oh, bless well, that is the Bob Marshall. I have so many more stories that I could share with you, like the time my brother did a horseback ride in Bob Marshall, high as a kite on pain meds from a botched tooth surgery. But I think we'll save that for another day. I'll let him tell it. Yeah, I want to want to hear about the ghosts he saw. <laughs> <laughs> the colors. <laughs> the colors he saw. The colors he tasted. Yeah, God, I remember when that happened, and he just went anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, didn't he have, like, a piece yep. of dental equipment in his jaw exactly. at that point? Exactly, She was a piece of shit orthodontist, and I would love to blast her name from here to Timbuktu on this tiny platform that I have as a piece of shit orthodontist, but I won't. But yeah, she managed to leave part of a drill bit in his jaw, and it was there for three weeks, festering while he kept going back in and saying, this is not normal, it's not dry socket, look at it, and she wouldn't even take an x-ray. But anyway, he got a whole bunch of pain meds and went to the Bob anyway, because they had paid quite a bit of money for this trip. He didn't want to miss out on it. And he was trying to become one of those ghosts where, like, your dad was going to snowshoe I guess in one direction to try to get him some antibiotics I or something. I guess to get off this huge infection festering in his jaw. No, that's a great instinct. I'm going to go into the wilderness. I'm going to go into a million acres. Hey, Hey, the Kellys had big families for a reason, dude. We ain't <laughs> ain't bright. There is no self-preservation instinct that's being passed along. <laughs> just just beating the odds with numbers. All right. Beating the odds with numbers. Dudes, yeah, my dad and brother spend time around explosive. I pick shit up off the ground all the time and I never wash my hands. I mean, this family is foolhardy. Have not your dad and brother both shot their own cars, or am I thinking of your dad shooting cars twice? Dad shot the car twice, and then he shot the garbage disposal. He shot his pillow, and he had a gun blow up in his face, and now his eye has black tattoo marks in it from the gunpowder. My brother shot a chair. 
<laughs> well, it was coming right for him. It was coming right for him, dude. He could see the whites of his eyes. Yeah, do you remember when we learned to drive and, like, everything was terrifying yeah. and we were so cautious all the time? Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm going to eat my hash brown and drive. Right? I imagine that's what it gets to be like with guns, I... which is why I won't start. No, nope, don't start. If you... Oh, all right, get us out of here. This is a good one. I like it. It's a happy one. <laughs> it is a happy one. I'm so proud of Molly and Abby. Which, dude, that was the name of cats that you had at the same fucking time. Not quite. We had Molly and Theo, and then after they died, we got Abby and Cassie. Abby uh, and Cassie, that that's used. right. Yeah. There you go. All right, I was close. Well, folks, close. if you want to hear me mangle more of Liz's early childhood history... Then keep following us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, sometimes YouTube. Really what I want you when to do like when it. we feel like it. Mostly when Liz feels like it because she is carrying 75% of this team here. She's the one that would be snowshoeing in the winter to go get us medicine while I'm just like pacing back and forth upstairs being like, I'm fucking useless. Ha 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 ha. What I'd really like for you to do is go to. <laughs> I'd let our child die, apparently. I'm so sorry. I would like you to go to. Where? What the fuck was I saying? The places where you could rate, review, and subscribe. I'd like you to go to the nearest town and pick up some medicine. Pick up some medicine. The next, the next episode I have prepped also involves going to the nearest town for medicine. So it's a theme. Okay. I talk about people who do what I cannot. I want you to go to iTunes and Podbean. That's what I want you to do. And please rate, review, yeah. and subscribe. Please. Don't you want us to get yeah. sponsored content? Don't you want us to make some money off of this wonderful hobby that we have? Because we sure as shit do. And the only way that's going to happen, I mean, you have to have like 10,000 hits a minute or some bullshit to get sponsors. So go hit it up, friends. Let other people find us well, so they can do your work for you. Actually, Devin, there's another way that they could make sure we get paid a little bit for all the entertainment Liz, and strangeness that we bring them. Stop trying to get me to prostitute myself. <laughs> I told you I'll give it up to you for free. Oh, Patreon. Yeah, folks, go to yes. Patreon. <laughs> I wasn't sure where that was going. Patreon. You can give us a couple bucks and I'll send you stickers and a card. She will. It's fucking awesome. Give us a couple more bucks and we'll see what I send you because apparently I am cheap. Man. Liz, what else do we want them to do? What am I forgetting? Well, they gotta live weird. Oh, they gotta die weird. And stay weird. Thank thank you for slogging through that with me. Jesus. Why didn't I think of Patreon? (laughs)